Yes, that's right. It is the top of the hour, top of the hour right here on the morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. And it's time for one of our favorite segments. We have plenty of favorite segments on here, but one of our favorites is Mental Health Monday. And we are still in Mental Health Awareness Month, but it don't relegate it to just a month. Don't condense it to just a month. Be aware every day, every year, because our mental health is where the real wealth is. And uh, this morning, it is, of course, the start of the week, the 23rd day of the month of May. It is Mental Health Monday, and it is with our own Dr. Earl Bowen Jr. Let me tell you about Dr. Earl Bowen Jr. for just a second. He is the assistant professor in social and behavioral science and the university counselor at the one and only Cheney University of Pennsylvania. He is also licensed by the Pennsylvania State Board of Social Workers, Marriage and Family Therapists and Professional Counselors. He's also certified in dialectical behavioral therapy He's done research on so many things we take all day to name them. But additionally, did you know that Dr. Bowen serves as associate rabbi at Congregation Temple Bethel, located in my hometown and should be your favorite city as well? We hope it is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Dr. Bowen, good morning. Good morning, Brother Rob. Big shout out for the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. Philadelphia, PA. Absolutely. Hallelujah. (laughs) Absolutely. Great. Great talking to you once again. Likewise. And what do we have this morning? Well, today, you know, I think in continuation of, as you said, Mental Health Month, but I like what you said also. This is just not something that's confined to a particular month in terms of Mental Health Month. It's like Black History Month. It's like every day. The We Are Lives is an opportunity to affirm our mental health. And that is basically part of what I try to address, that your mental health is uh, in, in a, in intimately related to your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It all kind of goes together. And so uh, I appreciate you and the station and all those who work with you uh, to make this time available for me to talk a little bit about something that I just, you know, it's just a part of my life, so it's a natural thing for me to do. Uh, but I appreciate everything that you do to promote uh, this segment. So thank you. And we appreciate you as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, today, uh, Rob, I want to talk about um, panic attacks mm-hmm. uh, and how panic attacks, really relate to stress management, how these things actually go together. Uh, And sometimes there are things that we may be uh, experiencing and we may not quite understand why it's happening or what's going on. So I just want to talk a little bit today a little deeper about uh, the nature of panic attacks and how that relates to stress management. Uh, But as always, I want to always begin by talking about my primary intent, and it's really to create a platform for dialogue and learning about mental health, to promote mental health awareness, to provide mental health support, to emphasize mental ailments to the same degree as physical ones, to improve sensitivity and empathy toward mental health disorders, that often go unnoticed and untreated, 
and then finally to fight the stigma of mental health by encouraging open and honest discussion. Uh, and so today, uh, again, um, want to talk about panic, this panic disorders or panic attacks. So first of all, people with a panic disorder, basically you have a sudden and repeated attack of fear. Uh, and this could last for several minutes, but the symptoms of panic attacks could last much longer. We'll talk about the symptoms in a few minutes. But basically, there's a sudden and repeated attack of fear, and it could last for several minutes. Now, these are typically called panic attacks uh, because it could just be something that will last for a short duration. But it could be uh, fairly intense during that time. Panic attacks are, for the most part, characterized by a fear of a certain disaster. Something is getting ready to happen, and you're fearful. It's also characterized by a fear that you are somehow losing control over that situation. That whatever it is that's going on, it's beyond your capacity to control, and you anticipate some disaster occurring, even though it may not, to others around you, appear to be obvious at all, but to you, it might very well be. Um, so usually uh, a panic attack is characterized also by a physical reaction. That is, is always, it's not just something that's operating in your mind. There are also physical things happening. So some, you know, I've never had a panic attack, but what I've been told and what I've read about is that it feels like you're having a heart attack. So people that I've talked to in therapy describe it as a way as though it feels like they're having a heart attack. The thing about a panic attack is that it can occur at any time. So what happens is that many people worry and they dread the possibility of having another panic attack. So if you've had a panic attack in the past, and because a panic attack can happen at any time, sometimes people tend to dread um, the possibility of it reoccurring. So um, because a panic attack is really closely associated with anxiety, it also can be a, a contributing factor to social anxiety as well. So all of these things interact in a lot of different ways. And anxiety itself, there's probably seven, at least seven different types of anxiety. Of course, panic attacks being, being one. Um, the other thing about a panic attack is that people who've had this experience often feel some level of shame that they're shameful, that this happens to them. And it affects their ability, of course, to carry out normal routine activities like, you know, going to the grocery store or driving a car, things of that nature. So that it's pretty obvious that panic attacks can interfere with both school as well as work. So I know I, I work with students at university and a lot of times um, we end up talking about 
a panic attack that occurred in the particular situation. Um, as I mentioned, uh, panic attacks are characterized by a fear of a certain disaster and a fear of losing control. So let's just talk for a few minutes about uh, what are the symptoms of a panic attack, or some people refer to as panic disorders. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, well, people with a panic disorder, they have a sudden and repeated attack of fear, and they feel that they're sort of losing control or they're out of control. It's also a feeling of things not quite being real. It's an intense worry about when the next panic attack will happen. So there's constant anxiety about when this will reoccur. Sometimes uh, there's a fear or avoidance of places where a panic, a panic attack has occurred in the past. So if you've been at a certain venue, uh, maybe a theater or you were at some other place, a park or some other venue where you've had a panic attack, there's this natural tendency to avoid going back to that place again for fear of a reoccurrence. Now, a few minutes ago, I mentioned about the physical symptoms of having a panic attack and that it can, can feel like it's having, you're having a heart attack. Now, here are some of the physical symptoms to just be aware of. One is pounding heart, sweating, feeling faint or dizzy, sometimes cold chills, sometimes chest pains, and sometimes there's a feeling of being nauseous. So all of these physical symptoms could be a sign that a person is having a panic attack. So if you know someone who develops these symptoms and you've noticed it, you want to encourage them to talk to their doctor, their medical doctor, or a healthcare provider because there is help for panic attacks and it is 100% um, treatable. Um, so the question actually comes up a lot is that when does a panic disaster or panic attack, when does it start? What we know from research is that panic attacks or panic disorders often begin in the late teens or early adulthood, that we start to see this evidence of panic attacks occurring during late teens and early development. So it's not unusual for an adolescent, 17, 18 years of age, or a college student, or, or a person in general, 18 to 24 years of age, having panic attacks, because they usually start to surface during that particular uh, age category. But as I mentioned before, panic attacks or panic disorders are very, very treatable as an anxiety disorder. So we'll talk a little bit about the treatment aspect. Um, one of the ways that typically panic disorders are treated are through medications. I'm not a strong advocate for medications, but in some cases it might be necessary. What the medication will do is, if you talk to your medical doctor, it can help to reduce the severity and the frequency of panic attacks. So by taking medication, you know, the, the, the severity of it could actually diminish, 
as well as the intensity of it and, and the frequency of how often it occurs. The thing about most medications, particularly related to panic disorders, is that it takes several weeks before it starts working. It really has to be in your system um, for several weeks before you actually start to see um, some change, some reduction in intensity and, and the frequent level of panic attacks. That could take several weeks. So if you do decide that you you know this is something you feel you need to address medically and you do want to get treatment and you end up with medication, which is what medical doctors do, um, expect it to take a ser several weeks before it starts to really uh, kick in. Now, there are different types of medications that you can take that would treat a panic disorder. They're mainly antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. Um, so that's probably what you're going to um, have as a prescription. Um, now, the the other thing to keep in mind, even if you decide to go to a medical doctor to, to deal with the medication, is that these type of drugs, whether they're antidepressants or anti-anxiety drugs, are actually the same drugs that we use for other types of mental health disorders. Uh, so it's not really specific to that, um, but it, it actually has utility uh, across those other areas. Uh, the other thing, of course, and it does not have to be an either or, but you also maybe in addition to going to see a medical doctor, is also maybe um, pursue psychotherapy or talk therapy, and that's, of course, where I will come in. Um, but there's something else you could do in addition to seeing a medical doctor. And the idea is really to help you to control the symptoms of a panic attack. The reality is there's no quote-unquote cure for a panic attack. Um, the idea is to learn how to manage panic attacks so that you can go on and live basically the quote-unquote normal life. Um, and sometimes you might want to continue some treatment. Um, but there is no quite cure, although I do want to talk in a few minutes about, I think, some very practical things that you can do uh, to lessen uh, its its impact. Why, you know, because you always want to know, well, what's the why behind it? It's usually a multiplicity attacks running families. Uh, and so sometimes it actually could be part dynamic. Of course, that will come out much later uh, as you begin to reflect on it, but sometimes it does. Uh, it is also important to understand that when chemicals in the brain are not at a certain level, it can cause a person to have panic attacks. So it also could have a biological component in that area as well. That is, there could be an imbalance of chemicals in the brain, and of course, that's where the medication comes in, um, because what the medication does is that it helps with the symptoms because it helps the brain chemicals to stay at correct levels so there's no imbalance. Uh, so in that case, perhaps medication could be helpful. And I'm not actually, I'm not overruling that at all. I'm saying it could be used as one component of the treatment. Uh, and sometimes um, this relates to fueling stress. So my basic point uh, this morning in starting out by talking about panic attacks, the level of stress 
that we experience in our lives. That is, there's this relationship. So, again, reiterating a little bit about what is stress uh, and something that you feel when you're faced with a situation that's new, it's unpleasant, maybe threatening. So when you put those things together, either a new situation that you're encountering and a very unpleasant encounter or a threatening situation, usually is the onset of, of threat, of, uh, of stress, and then there's a slight freeze response. But that's the beginning of the stress. And then the question really becomes, what are the causes? And... Uh, the, the thing that's interesting about stress that I've looked at over the years is that everyone's stress levels are different. So what's stressful for, for me may not bother the other person at all. And so that's why we have to be very careful how we dismiss someone who may be going through a stressful situation that you feel uh, maybe they just need to get over it, or it's not really a big deal. It may not be a big deal for you, but it may be for them. So stress and stress tolerance levels differ based on individuals, uh, how they react and how they respond. But I've found over the years as I talk to people about stress and stress management, their stress level generally comes from one or maybe more than one of about six different areas. The first would be finance. Um, big level of stress could be, right? Money management could be a big issue of stress. The other issue really is health. Uh, what is your health like and how is that contributing to stress? Third would be family, family-related matters. Fourth would be work, things that you are encountering at work that might be actually uh, producing stress. Um, for students that I see at uh, the university, it could be school-related stress. And then finally, the other area of stress comes from personal relationships. So stress typically emanates from those six areas, finance, health, family, work, school, and relationships. What we have to do at an individual level is to identify of those six areas, where is most of your stress really coming from? It could be one of those areas. But it also could be all or a combination of those. And the more stress levels that you see, uh, the more complicated it becomes to address and to deal with. Now, the good news is that there are some ways that we can manage uh, our stress and stress levels. So uh, I think for the time we have left, I want to talk just a little bit about what I think are some practical day-to-day things that we can do to control our level of stress or really to manage it because just as I said about panic attacks, there's there's no silver bullet, there there's no quote-unquote cure, but it's all about how you manage it. The first thing that we need to do, and I say we because I'm part of all of this um, whole thing that we deal with called life, is that we have to organize our daily activities. I think we have to start with our level of self-organization. How do we organize our daily activities? The other thing I've found to be helpful, and not for everybody, but keeping a journal can be very, very helpful. That is, as you start to journal what kind of activities you are dealing with during the course of the day, 
Over the course of time, as you review that journal, let's say you review it uh, after you've kept it for two weeks or three weeks, you'll start to notice a pattern. That pa- So I strongly recommend, and the journal does not have to be a long, long, written, detailed account of what your day typically looks like. So keeping a journal could be very important. Uh, the other thing would be to replace negative self-talk with positive statements as I'm a really big fan of affirmations. Um, And I think self-talk is very, very important. The things that you tell yourself actually manifest, becomes manifest in how you behave. So you have to replace negative self-talk with positive affirmations. Uh, That can be very, very helpful. You also need to be positive about change. A change is not necessarily a bad thing. It might actually be something good and necessary, but that means you might have to reframe how you view change in your life is not necessarily negative, but perhaps on the positive end. Uh, planning, that is planning ahead. Now, that doesn't mean that there are going to be bumps in the road or sometimes a detour, but planning things in advance can be very helpful. There's an old saying that I found to be true, and that is people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. So planning ahead, the other would be setting priorities, that you have to have priorities in your life that you have set. Because if you don't have priorities, then someone else will have their priorities will, in, in, in many cases, uh, take you on a different path. So setting priorities would be something that would be important. And this is all under the, the heading of organizations, starting with self. The other thing would be to schedule free time. That is that, you know, that's, you know, you think about children, you know, they, you know, one of my favorite times was recess and we could go out and run around and play. But that's important in our daily lives that although we schedule activities for ourselves, we got to be productive, got to get work done. But it's also important to schedule free time. That is, I'm going to schedule 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it is, just free time. Uh, That's important in in terms of managing the stress that can actually happen uh, in in your life. And so thinking about that as well. The other one, which is always more easier said than done, is to let go of worry, Uh, particularly things that might be out of your control. Uh, Or you might decide you want to give 20 minutes of your day to worry, and then after that, that's done, and it's best to do it early in the day so you can spend the rest of your day without worrying about things that are particularly out of your control. Now, there's some other practical things that you can do, and I know I've mentioned this before. Get plenty of sleep. Every day have some form of physical activity. Drink plenty of water. Listen to music. You know, sometimes that can be a very, very good stress. It depends on the type of music you like, but whatever it is, if it's soothing, if it helps you in some way to get motivated or keep yourself focused, listening to music can be very, very important. Watching what you eat because it will have an effect on how your emotional context plays out. And sometimes doing a kind deed for another person. You know, so it's not just about you, but, you know, I just want to go and do something nice for this person. 
And just in doing that, you'd be surprised of how that relieves stress that you might be feeling by performing an act of kindness towards someone else. Accepting that tomorrow is an opportunity for things to get better. That is, never lose sight of hope. And even though maybe you've had a very stressful day or a stressful week or whatever it's been, understanding that tomorrow is an opportunity to do better or to make things better. Never lose that optimism of what hope means for you in the future. You know, don't be disappointed when there's no immediate change in your life because change takes time. So be patient. Reduce anger by understanding that it's detrimental to yourself and also it can be detrimental to others. So although it's normal to become angry, what you don't want to do is hold on to the anger. At some point, you have to let it go. Reading inspirational material can be very, very helpful. And then there are these mind techniques that you think about. That is thinking good thoughts about yourself, thinking good thoughts about others, and about life in general. Refuse to go to bed being stressed. That is, whatever the stresses are of the day, when it's time for bed, you really want to clear your mind of all of the stress activities that's going on so that you're able to begin to lie down at night and in peace. Uh, and so it's important that you begin to let those stresses go as you begin to go uh, later on to, uh, to have hopefully a good night's sleep. And then uh, just two others I want to mention real quick. Our time's up. Apologize to yourself. Apologize to others and then let it go. Forgive yourself, forgive others, pray, and meditate. If you do some of these things, it will reduce the level of stress in your life. It will also help you to uh, role model the type of behavior that you like for others to see in your life, particularly significant others. So I hope I've said some things that maybe have given you some way of rethinking about this whole area, this idea of stress management and how it might relate to panic attacks. And I pray that the week will be productive for you, that it will be a week of peace, and that we will be able to talk again uh, a week out, may it be the will of the Most High. So may uh, the Most High God give you peace, be with you, keep you safe and healthy. Have a good week. Bye-bye.